Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. And Happy New Year. I haven't had a chance to say that to everybody. Happy New Decade as well. It's, this is an exciting day that we're in. Not only are we beginning a new year, we're beginning a new decade. Some of you remember what your plans were back in 2010, and I bet you probably hit every one of your goals from now till then, right? From then till now. Um, if you did, you are in the minority. Most of us are still trying. And so when we look to, to the future, from now, from 2020, uh, 2020 to 2030, if we're here that long, the, the Lord only knows, right? If we're here that long, the question that most of us are asking is, how do we make the most of the time we've been given? How can we make the most of this time? This is a gift. How do we leverage it well? How do we use it well? And I want to give you a metaphor right up here at the beginning. As we start this brand new series, Decisions That Determine Your Destiny, I want you to think about your future like you've been gifted a prime piece of farmland. And you can plant whatever you want on the farmland. It's totally up to you. And you decide, I want to plant vegetables. And you get out there and start to work the land. You cultivate it. You irrigate it. You're watering it. You're doing everything. Working, working, working. You're wishing. You're praying. But yet, still no vegetables. Why? Here's why. Soil responds to seed not wishes, right? Same thing with the soil of your future. And I want to talk to you about this today because it's so powerful. This is a rule, a law, if you will, that God set in place from the early stages of all things. When he was creating everything. As a matter of fact, here it is, the beginning of the year. Let's start with Genesis chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 12 and 24. This is right in the middle of the creation story. This is day Three and day six of creation. And I want you to see this common thread with the way in which God is creating. Let's take a look at this together. If you would, let's read the highlighted words together if you want to. All right. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Like what was happening was a very good thing. It was his idea. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. I want you to see this common thread that both with the animal kingdom and with the plant kingdom, God set this rule in place. Here's God's creative rule that everything produces and reproduces after its own kind, that gorillas don't have giraffes and horses don't have cows. That everything comes from its own kind, both in the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom. And here's the other parallel that I want you to see today that is so powerful that many people miss. That you and I plant seeds every single day, all day, every day, with our thoughts, with our words, and our actions, our decisions with our life. That our thoughts, our words, and our actions are seeds that are planted in the soil of our life that will reproduce into the future a harvest one way or another, a good harvest or a bad harvest. It's a, it's a principle that we see all the way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, 
In theological circles, they would say this is part of the immutability of God, the unchangeable nature of God. He built it into creation, into the universe that he created. We call this the harvest principle. And simply put, the harvest principle says that you reap what you sow. I reap what I sow. All of us, we reap what we sow. Now, that's a really simple principle. Like any child we pull out of Brazos Kids would understand that. Like that's, that's not complicated. But here's the fascinating thing about the community that you and I live in. We live in one of the most educated academic communities, not just in the state of Texas, but in the United States of America because we have A&M four blocks away, right? We have lots of super brilliant people that live right here. And we're, this room's full of them. Uh, very brilliant people. But let me tell you what very brilliant people forget. They, they, they get absent-minded about this, that this harvest principle is always true. There is no exceptions. I see really successful, really intelligent, super smart people sometimes that think, I'm going to plant one seed, but I'm going to be able to skip the harvest. And I'm going to be able to kind of just erase that harvest, delete the harvest, and live with whatever harvest that I really want. The kind of, that, that kind of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas kind of idea. Like, if you're smart enough, you can figure out a way to be the exception to the rule. But I'm telling you today, this harvest principle never stops being, real, stops being true. That you will always, only, ever reap what you sow. It's not just something that's true in some areas. It's true in all areas. It, it, it does not go away. The harvest will not go away just because we wish that it would. Or even as powerful as prayer is, if you sow bad seed, you will reap a bad harvest even if you pray. If you make bad boneheaded decisions, you will have bad consequences. Even if you read and memorize lots of the Bible, and that's wonderful, even if you read lots of Christian books in 2020, go to lots of conferences, listen to tons of great online preaching, you just fill your mind with all kinds of great principles. If you are sowing bad seed, you will reap a bad harvest. And I see it all the time, and I bet you do too. People who make poor decisions, really bad decisions for their life, and they are miserable because they are reaping the consequences of those decisions. And they are frustrated, and they are mad, and they are begging God to delete the harvest. Erase it, God. Get rid of it. How could you do this to me, God? It goes from begging to anger sometimes. And maybe you've been there before. How could you let this happen, God? And I can't help but think that God says the same to us. How could you let this happen? You're simply reaping what you've sown. I put this rule in place. You can leverage it for your life or against your life. And so many people think they're going to be the exception, and nobody is, ever. We come to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul teaches the same principle. He's teaching it in this church uh, in Galatia. We, we call it the Galatian letter. This is a church that he started in his first missionary journey. It's one of the first churches that Paul starts and he's teaching the people that there are certain rules that you need to understand as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that's not going away. And you can leverage it for yourself. You can leverage it for your family. You need to teach it to your kids. You need to teach it to your kids. You need to teach it to your nieces and nephews, to your grandkids, anybody that you have influence with. And here's what he says, chapter 6, verse 7. 
The Apostle Paul says it this way. If you would, let's read the highlighted words together. He says, do not be deceived. Why did he start like that? Because so many people are deceived about this principle. They think, oh no, I'm going to be the exception. Or, I saw her make some real bad decisions. She planted some bad seed, and I didn't see the bad harvest. I, I, he, I know he's planted bad seed. I didn't see the bad harvest. Maybe he got away with it. Maybe she got away with it. Well, maybe they've got money and they can cover it up, or circumstantially, you didn't see it. But he says, do not be deceived. Don't be fooled into believing somehow they got away with it. This rule does not have an exception to it. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, his justice is not mocked. It will always come to fruition. It will always come to pass for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And I would add to it, that shall she also reap as well, right? This applies to everybody. This is for everybody. And he's showing us, listen, there's no exceptions. This applies to everybody. And, and to flip this idea that's just as true, not only will you reap what you sow, but what you won't grow what you don't sow. You won't grow what you don't sow. Let's say that together. You won't grow what you don't sow. That's right. Kind of fun. It rhymes. I love rhymes. Okay. You won't grow what you don't sow. It's so true. And over the next couple of months, as you begin to plant flowers, gardens, etc., you'll find out just how true that is. You won't grow what you don't sow. It's exactly true. So consequently, this is so important. This might be one of the most important things you take away from this morning. The best predictor of your future is to ask yourself, for me to ask myself, what am I planting right now? What am I planting? You know, it's, what's interesting about Scripture and what God reveals to us through the Bible is that the future doesn't have to be completely haphazard, totally random. It's not. It actually can be fairly predictable that you will reap what I will reap what I sow. We will all reap what you sow. So if that's the, fa the fact, then the future becomes fairly predictable. We need to ask ourselves, what am I sowing now? Because if there's some area of my life right now that I'm miserable with, probably it's because I sowed some seed that I'm now living with. Or in some circumstances, you are reaping or you are living in someone else's harvest that's hurting you right now. Maybe they sowed the seed, but you're having to live with it. And we're going to talk about what to do about that in just a minute. But the reason this is so incredibly important, the predictor of your future is to ask, the best predictor of your future is to ask, what am I sowing right now? The reason that is so incredibly important is because harvests are so easy to get into, but they're so hard to get out of. Consequences. Have you noticed this? Consequences. Teach this to your kids. They're so easy to get into, very hard to get out of. You tell me, is it easier to get into debt or to get out of debt? <laughs> yeah, some of us have been living with that harvest like as long as we can remember, right? Exactly. Is it easier? And again, we are all about helping marriages to get healthier and to recover and to, to bring them back from the brink and help resuscitate life. That's God doing it. We're just his instrument to do that. Now, I just want to say the statement is true that it is easier to get into a bad relationship than to get out of one, right? It is so much easier. It is a single decision, single seed that's planted, debt, 
bad relationships, most of the bad relationships, both most of the bad decisions of our life could be traced back to a seed that was sown, a decision that was made, a thought that we conceived, a word that we said, something that we did, and now we're living with the consequence of that, right? And I want to tell you something today, that bad harvests are something that all of us live with, me included, all of us, that somehow because you're a Christian, that your bad harvest doesn't get exempted. It doesn't get deleted. It doesn't get erased. That's not how it works. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul goes on to say in the very next verse, verse 8, and he's talking to Christians, by the way. He's talking to a church. And here's what he says. He says, whoever sows to please their flesh, their self-centered, egotistical, me-first nature. We all got it, right? Even Christians. He says, that, yes, you still struggle with a sin nature. All right? He says this, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction, but whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. He's saying you have a choice. And when you sow to the flesh and you make it about you and you make it about whatever you want in the moment to the detriment of other people, you will reap destruction. I've seen this over and over in relationships. Something as simple as gossip gossip. I know you may be saying, well, didn't that go out in junior high? Well, you would think, but no, right? People still gossip about each other. And when people sow seeds of gossip, they think, oh, he'll never find out. She'll never know. Let me tell you, as a pastor, they almost always find out. They just don't tell you, right? They just stop hanging out with you. They stop texting you. They or they are just amazing, and they forgive you anyway. And it's, it's incredible how it will slowly, over time, begin to destroy the relationship. You will lose that relationship. You know why? Because who's going to trust someone they think is going to gossip about? Who's going to be transparent and honest and open with somebody they think is going to turn around behind their back and talk negatively about them? Nobody wants that. Every situation where you see where people sow to the flesh, it brings destruction and sorrow and pain and suffering into the world. That's what sin does. This is what he's saying. He's just saying, be careful. We all are sowing seeds with our thoughts, words, and actions. Let's just be intentional about sowing to the Spirit of God rather than to the flesh, right? And when you sow to the Spirit of God, saying, Lord, I want you to guide my decisions, especially my really big decisions going into 2020, and I want my life to bring forth the kind of fruit, the kind of harvest that reflects your heart, God, that reflects Jesus. And what's beautiful is that one chapter before this, Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, you might want to write that down, we're given the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We're told that when you begin to harvest what the Spirit wants to do in your life, all of a sudden these nine just start manifesting themselves because God is reigning in your life. Did you realize that eternal life attached here on the end of this verse is not something that happens after you die. It's something that starts now. It's the idea that I'm going to let God be God of me, just like he is in the universe. I'm going to let him call the shot. I'm going to let him guide the harvest and what I plant, what I sow today and reap tomorrow. 
Let God begin to guide that process, and it is phenomenal how he can turn your story around in remarkable ways. We think somehow we're going to lose our identity if we give everything over to God, and the irony is, I see it all the time, is people find out who they really are for the first time because he's your creator. You can trust him. He's not going to make you into something you weren't made, made to be or who you're supposed to be. He's going to make you exactly what he intended you to be. Now, I know you may be asking yourself, well, Will, what if today I'm in the middle of a bad harvest? What do I do about that? Like, and some of you are saying, hey, just one bad harvest. I got one bad harvest on another push that down, some more on top of that. Like, I've had a lot of decisions that I'm living with the consequences of that I'm sort of ashamed of. I certainly wouldn't want to talk about it at church, but yeah, I caused it. And so let me answer that question. Let me talk about how to answer this. And, and the way I want to answer it is a little bit unique. Usually pastors want to show you a story from the Bible. Here's how you're supposed to do it. I want to show you a story from the Bible to say, here's how you're not supposed to do it, Okay. Here's the opposite of the right thing to do. And this is like the, one of the most famous couples in the Bible, Abraham and Sarah. In the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 16, I encourage you to go back and read this story from Genesis 16, whole chapter and even some of the chapters after. It's a really insightful, beautiful story. But let me just tell it to you. Okay, so ladies, Sarah was at this low point of her life. She had low self-esteem, she was depressed, she was frustrated, because this was a time in history when women, by and large, saw their worth and their value as a human being, it was attached to their ability to give children to their husband. And she was barren, she had, could not have children. And she had already surpassed the years of childbearing time, she's past menopause, and she's desperate, she's not willing to wait any longer for God's harvest in this area of her life, I'm done with that. I'm going to have to make my own baby, my own family, if it's going to happen. That's how she felt. So she pulls her husband, uh, Abraham, aside, and she says, here's what I want to do. I want you to get with my, my servant, my Egyptian servant, Hagar, and I want you to have a baby with her. Okay? All right. Now, just so, just so you know, this was a kind of culturally accepted, this was not a God-endorsed way to do it, but it was a culturally accepted way in which sometimes people would grow their families at this time in history. Now, I, this goes without saying as well, guys, if you ever get this kind of an idea proposed to you, always say no. Always. Oh, I never would think, no, absolutely not, no way. Abraham, on the other hand, goes, well, if this will make you happy, I mean... I will sacrifice myself with that young sir. And y'all like, what? Anyway, so he does. He gets Hagar pregnant. And here she shows up with a little baby bump. And it makes uh, Sarah so insanely jealous. She is so miserable. And when that little baby boy Ishmael is born, everywhere she turns, there's Ishmael. There's Ishmael. Oh, my gosh. Get him out of this house. He is driving me crazy. It's a reminder that she wasn't enough that she could do for her husband what the servant could. And of course, I'm sure that Hagar has got feelings for her husband, and there's animosity going both ways, and it was tension in the house. It was horrible, but she's the lady of the house, and she wants now to just kick them out, and that's what she does. I don't want them living here anymore. And she tells her husband, it's you, 
And that woman that have made me so miserable, she has forgotten. The seed that was planted was her suggestion. If she hadn't suggested it, none of this misery would have ever come to pass. None of it. It was because of the seed she sowed. But she does what so many people do. Whenever that bad harvest comes up, it's making you miserable. And she decides, I don't want to be miserable. People don't like to stay miserable, do they? So here's what they do. I'm going to jump ship. I'm not going to stay here anymore in this community. I'm going to move. Have you ever known people that, that? I can't stand these people anymore. We just need to move. I can't stand this workplace. I'm going to move. I'm going to get a new job. I can't stand the spouse anymore. I'm going to get a new spouse. I want, I'm tired of that harvest. I'm tired of this church. I'm going to find me a new church, right? And that'll fix everything. Here's the irony. <laughs> as soon as they get over to their new deal, here's Ishmael. He shows up like, I'm still a part of the family. I'm still connected to you. I'm not going anywhere. The seed has already been sowed. The harvest has been reaped. And, I mean, the harvest is here. And so there's really nothing you can do about it. The, the next step that you need to do is to bring it before God. Let me go through three steps that I think could be super helpful for you. Number one, we've got to own it. We have to take responsibility for the seed that you have sown, that I have sown. We have to just say, look, I did this. And this might mean sitting down swallowing your pride and getting brutal gut-level honest with some people that have been impacted by the poor choices, the bad seed that you have sown. It might mean sitting down and say to your kids, you need to know dad has not always made the best choices. And some of the struggle that we're going through today is because of me. I'm owning it. Please forgive me. It was because of mom and my decisions, my choices. Whew, man, that's getting honest. But you know what? I have seen this over and over within the context of families, businesses, and the community, and the church. When people come clean, because almost always people already know you're to blame. If you would just come clean, they would respect you and love you for it. Like, thank you. You're just saying out loud what we already knew. Thank you for owning it. Like all of a sudden now we trust you again because you're honest enough to take responsibility. It's so powerful if we would just take the first step. And here's the second one, not just bringing it before people and recognizing it then, is bringing it before God, repenting of it before the Lord. That you have to repent and ask God to forgive you. God, when I made these choices, I wasn't basing it on faith. I was not trusting you. I was trusting me. This was really about me and my flesh and my sin nature. And I wasn't trusting you. So God, please forgive me. You see, if Sarah in that moment had gone and asked her family to forgive her and she had sown seeds of unity between Isaac and Ishmael instead of seeds of strife, oh my goodness, for generations, those two men, their descendants, they still fight today. The Arabs and the Israelis are still at each other's throats. And they are all descendants from Israelis from Isaac, Arabs from Ishmael. And all of this ripple effect has happened from these bad seeds sown. And I'm telling you, you have no idea. I have no idea the impact generationally that can happen by the seeds that are sown in our lives. 
And if she would have turned that around, it's amazing to see when people surrender these kinds of things to God, he can make good and turn bad harvests around. It's beautiful. Number three, look for God to bring good out of even a bad harvest. He does that. It's his specialty. He resurrects things. He breathes new life into things that look totally dead, and they've gone completely sideways, and he can straighten them out. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, again, the Apostle Paul writing to the church that he started in Rome, he tells them, all through this book, really, the whole Roman letter, he's teaching people to trust the sovereignty of God, that God's in charge, that He loves us, and that all the salvation He's put in place is because He orchestrated it. He loves us. He's come after us, and he is, uh, His love is pursuing us. But he's teaching them also that this sovereignty, it oversees even the bad parts of our life and that we can trust him even with those pieces. In Romans 8, 28, he says, and we know that in all things, let me back up so you can say this with me, and we know that in in all things, even bad harvests, right? Even really bad consequences from really bad choices, God works for the the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Another translation says that God works with those who love him for the good. I love that too. That God works together with those who love him for the good, those who have been called according to his purpose. That's what he does. And he's asked us to trust him in the middle of a bad harvest in our life. We've got to own it we got to repent. we got to trust Him with it. Now, looking forward, how do we plant good harvests in 2020 and beyond? How do we begin to do that in our lives? Let me give you some steps, some, some principles, some secrets that I think that sometimes get lost on most people. Here's the first one. We have to begin to recognize a harvest in a seed. Before we make the decision, before we marinate on the thought, before we let that stuff fly from our lips, what kind of harvest is this going to create? These decisions that we're making, they all have a powerful ripple effect into the future. It's so important to think about what are those. I got to thinking about this recently. If you've been into Walmart, let's see, Home Depot or Lowe's, any place that has a gardening center, you've probably seen these before. These little envelopes that have seeds in them, right? They usually have them all over one section of the wall or a kiosk or something like that, right? And here's the interesting thing about these seeds. is They all have these envelopes, and they all have a picture on the front of them. Think about what this picture is telling you right here. This is not a picture of the seed. This is a picture of the harvest. What sells the seed is the harvest that it will promise to bring, Right? We don't buy the seed for the seed. We buy the seed for the harvest. If they were sold in little transparent Ziploc bags, nobody would buy them. Who could recognize the seed? Like, we'd have to get be all horticulturalists, right? We'd have to be really good at recognizing seed to be able to do that, and hardly anybody can do that. But what this picture does is it helps us to attach this harvest. It's carrots. That's what these things say. This is carrots. This is petunias, Right? What do you, you don't want to plant this if you hope for this, right? You need to make sure that you're planting the appropriate harvest, planting the appropriate seeds for the right harvest. How do you want your kids to turn out? Then you may need to be starting to plant certain types of seeds for that result. 
How, what kind of marriage do you want in the next two, three, five, ten years? You better start planting certain types of seeds or it isn't going to happen magically. It doesn't come from wishes, right? It comes from seeds sown in the soil. We've got to get better at recognizing a harvest from a seed. We need to teach our kids the correlation between certain seeds that they're planting, even way back in junior high and high school. Some of those decisions will carry ramifications far into the future, don't they? And, and some of us even have heartbreak over poor decisions we made early, early in life because nobody warned us. Or maybe they did and we didn't listen, and now we're still reaping the consequences in a negative way. We got to plead with them, love them enough to say, you need to recognize a harvest and a seed. It's so important. So you want, do you want to create a predictable harvest, a predictable future? Here's what we've got to begin to do. To practice selective seed sowing. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. You have to practice selective seed sowing. And so let me give you a couple of questions I think can be very helpful in this regard. It's starting by a prayer, just a simple prayer to Jesus. It's, it's just asking him, before we sow a decision into our lives, asking Jesus first, will this seed produce a desirable harvest in my life? Is what I'm about to do going to produce, let me think about, let me play the movie. We say that sometimes, play the movie. You've seen enough movies in your life. Most movies in the first 15, 20 minutes, you can tell, you already know where the ending's going, right? You already know how this is going to end. Some of you have lived long enough, you already know. You can see it in other people. You're like, I've already been there, got the t-shirt, I got all the memories. I can tell you the whole thing that's about to happen to you, sweetheart. You don't have to do that. You don't need to go there. Help, let's teach the next generation. There's a correlation between seed sown now and harvest lived with later. Here's the next one. Will it move me closer or further away from God? Before we dive into 2020 and fill up our schedule so cram-packed, we hardly have any breathing room, even on the weekends. What, what is that going to do to our relationship with God if we don't have any time? It's not going to help it. You've got to have some margin for relationships with people, with God. You've got to have margin. And this goes for those who, of us who are married. Will it strengthen or weaken my marriage, the decision I'm about to make? How will it affect my relationship with God? How will it affect my relationship with my spouse? And finally, will it move me towards my purpose? Now, you may not even know fully what all your purpose before God is, but you might have some idea. You kind of have an idea what it is. And, and I feel like this is kind of pulling me off track. This isn't really what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm supposed to do. My purpose, or is it going to take me off track? Important to slow down, ask the question, journal about this. And that journaling is just written prayers, just laying it out to God. I have had God so many times in a time of journaling to bring crystal clarity to things I felt so confused about for so long. It's something powerful about writing stuff down. It causes you to disentangle your thoughts and to get clarity. I encourage you to do that. But here's what I want to tell you today, because I know some of you are probably saying, well, Will, this is a great message for young people who haven't already like messed up their lives, or young people who haven't had bad harvest on bad harvest on bad harvest. But what about me? I'm older. I've made lots of choices that I'm not, I'm not proud of, what about me? And I would say to you, it is never too late to begin to sow good seed. It is never too late. 
to begin to sow good seed. I read an article recently. I loved it. It was about some archaeologists who had unearthed some seed that came from one of the Egyptian pyramids. The seed was over 2,000 years old. Some scientists took the seed, they planted it, and it produced life. Think about it. That seed that had been sitting there dormant for over 2,000 years, unlocked potential, all of a sudden, when given the opportunity, it, it just sprung forth life. I have to believe that in your life, many of you in here, on the floor, in the balcony, that good godly seed has been sown into your life at different times, and maybe even today in this message, and it's been lying dormant, unlocked potential, but no more. 2020 is going to be the year that it takes root. 2020 is the year where you say, I'm going to act on it. I'm going to begin to live according to it. I want God's wisdom and word to begin to guide and direct my life like never before, because now is the time, and it's the proper time. This is what Paul said in Galatians 6, 9. He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the, let's say it together, at the, at the proper time. And for some of you, today is the proper time. It's time. It's time to start. Proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Today's the day to begin to plant the seed, and the harvest comes later. You know, and in farming, timing is everything. There is a, a small window when it's time to plant, and there is a short window when it's time to harvest. And today is the day God may be prompting your heart to say, it's time. Don't sit on this another year. Don't sit on another day. It's time to go. It's interesting that this metaphor of the harvest principle was one that Jesus used when he was explaining, here's why I came to earth if you want to know my mission statement, let me encapsulate it in the harvest principle. Because he's trying to show us it's never too late for God to sow good seed in you. But in John chapter, 20, uh, John chapter 12, verse 24, he said this. He says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces Many seeds. In other words, Jesus is showing us, I am God's seed of salvation that he has planted in the earth, in the tomb. Three days later, I spring forth life, eternal life, available to all of the world for those who place faith in me. By the grace of God, all people can know me. And today, I want you to ask yourself, am I willing to sow the seeds with my thoughts, words, and actions that honor God. Let him sow his seed of salvation in me. And to be reminded today that the greatest predictor of the future is to ask yourself today, what seeds am I sowing today? And I want to ask you right now, if you would, let's bow in prayer together. And in this prayer... Uh, the, the application prayer I want you to pray with me is just simply going before the Lord and saying, today, Lord, I take responsibility for bad seed sown. I ask you to forgive me, and I surrender my bad harvest to you to work good out of it. Help me to sow good seed in 2020. And for some of you here today, you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. You've never really come close to him and fully surrendered yourself completely. It's time to do that. Just say, sow your good seed of salvation in me today. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. 
for directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.